Often enough, the topic of pain gets tied up into the same kinds of conversations we have about evil. Spoken of in terms of problems or things to be avoided, pain is a thing that diminishes the human experience and limits relationships. Oddly though, pain, including physical pain or psychological pain, is perhaps the most common human experience. In the eternally wise words of R.E.M.'s Michael Stipe, everybody hurts. Not to mention that there might not be anything quite as soul-binding between people as suffering together, which is what makes the work of Jennifer Coe so beautiful, so good, so humanly true. Chronic pain and physical limitation take center stage in Jennifer's story and her work. And rather than speaking in terms of problems or ways to avoid these problems, Jennifer shares the reality of her pain as an experience and an expression of her full humanity. I am regularly informed and inspired by who she is and how she shares herself. This is my conversation with Jennifer Coe. Check it out. Hey there. Hi. Where are you calling from, like geographically? Where are you? Uh, we're in Los Angeles. Are you in LA? Or are you around LA? Like, where's because people are like oh. I'm in LA and they're not real. They're like yeah. Pasadena <laughs> or Altadena or something like that. Yeah, we're uh, Culver City. I know Culver City. Got yeah. it. Did, and did, I don't think you grew up there. No, no, I grew up in Montana, Billings, Montana. I've been to Billings, Montana. You have. I actually have been to Billings, Montana. Yes, I wasn't there very long. But I yeah. wasn't. How did you get to LA? I was a dancer and actress, mm-hmm. and you don't get very far doing that in Billings, Montana. <laughs> you, but you rise to the top real quick. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, so I moved down in uh, 2003. Okay. Um. Yeah, to pursue acting and dance. Did you love it? I loved it. Yeah. Especially dance. Yeah. Yeah. Did you love it once you got to LA too? I, I did and I didn't. Okay, go. Because um, it was just, it's difficult to balance everything. It's huh. difficult to have a paying job. Yes. Take lessons and audition. And should you get into something, then you have an even harder time balancing. Yeah, because then you're adding uh, you know, 30 hours of rehearsals on top of your job and your other lessons and trying out for other stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that part was stressful, but the minute you hit the stage or the, you know, the dance floor it just kind of all goes away. Um, were you married before you left? Or no. You met him no. in LA? Yeah. In LA. How'd that happen? Um, I was uh, leading a small group in our church okay. and my husband came. Um, he had just come from, where was he? San Francisco-ish. Oh, yeah. Um, now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was at Berkeley, and he came down and just had joined our church, happened to end up in my community group. Hmm. Cool. And that's how we got to know each other. That's pretty great. Yeah. Um, and you, um, you write and post a lot now. People kind of get your journey a little bit, like some of your history – you write and post a lot now about chronic pain and and your story up till now. I'd love to talk a little bit about that. You and I, when we talked about having this conversation, 
and this is how I want to lead in. You were, you said, Hey, you know, it should happen later in the morning on a Tuesday. And the reason needed to be later in the morning on Tuesday was because go ahead and fill in the blank there. Like why, why just so, so so listeners can get a kind of gauge on like your life, kind of you navigating your own body now and what you're working with. This, this interview need to be later in the morning because because um, depending on how I sleep, which is always different, hmm. um, it takes somewhere between an hour to three hours for my body and mind to just get warmed up and awake. Yeah. Um, I can get, um, I can wake up with any kind of pain, any level of fatigue. Yeah. And so, yeah, getting out of bed is really hard. Um, my husband, uh, brings me breakfast so mm-hmm. that I have, I'm not getting out of bed on an empty stomach and right, like, right. passing out or something. Um, and yeah, and then I, I stretch in bed and kind of do everything I can to wake up my body so that when I stand up, I'm not tearing a muscle or hurting myself in other ways. Yeah. And same with my mind. Um, yeah, just I have Lyme. One of the things I have is Lyme disease, and it gets into the brain yeah. and causes psychosis. And so my brain gets easily overwhelmed. And so if um, my husband is cooking something and I'm I'm near the kitchen, and then my daughter's talking to me, that's enough sensory information for my brain to get overwhelmed, hmm. and then I can have rage outbursts, mm-hmm. hallucinations, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have to be extremely careful with what I do on a daily basis and, and just not too early. Yeah. And you, you're now, do you have regular practices? Like you have a, a, like something of a routine that, that gets you there where like what you're conscious of that he's conscious of, like, what's it look like? Cause I imagine you're not waking up every morning and be like, okay, what do we do now? You've got some, you got some cadence, some rhythm. Can you talk about the cadence and the rhythm and and how do you get there? Sure, sure. So the biggest breakthrough for us was getting Alexa. And you can can do uh, routines. You can add routines and she kind of guides you through. Yeah. Um, Because my my short-term memory is terrible. Right. (laughs) And when you're experiencing so much pain all the time, it's easy to forget what's next. I think of a friend and I want to text them, I pick up my phone and immediately forgetting what I'm doing or I get distracted by something else. So having her kind of guide me through. um, So at a certain time she turns on, I have a a hymns playlist Yeah, that turns on. And so I'm waking up to calm music and I'm getting, um, just getting the gospel in through in that, in yeah. that way. And then sometimes that wakes me up right away. Sometimes it takes another hour. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> but, uh, so, so that kind of starts me out and then, um, she turns on for a, a six minute full body stretch and I do that in bed. Um, after my husband has brought me breakfast, so I eat, I stretch and then, and then I lie back down by that mm-hmm. time I'm exhausted. Yeah. Um, and, and then Alexa reads to me, um, whatever I'm reading that. So right now I'm going through the gospel of John. Okay. 
and she'll just read just one chapter for me. Um, and after that's done, um, I'm resting more. I'm taking my medicine, which is quite a lot. And if I feel like I can do a little bit more, yeah. then um, then I'll pick something like um, I might actually read um, a little bit, uh, but I can only read like a couple paragraphs at a time before I'm exhausted. Um, I also crochet so that's yeah. something that I can kind of do in bed. And then, yeah, I just, I just try to rest and breathe and hang out until my husband brings me lunch. And then we all eat lunch and then um, we have, we have quiet hour after lunch. Yeah. And that's when I can get out of bed. My daughter is in her room. My husband is working in his office. And so there's no extra energy coming from anywhere. Yeah. I can focus on getting myself to the stairlift, getting myself downstairs. Yeah. And then I go to, um, we have a bed for me downstairs as well. Right. And I just, I go straight to that bed and then, um, I'm usually either I'm listening to music or I'm watching TV shows. Um, yeah. And this, the rest of the day just kind of goes from there. Um, my husband likes to take our daughter out. By God's grace, we've just moved into a new house and there we have a yard and so they can cool. go out and play. Yeah. And it gives me a break. Um, just from you know, we have a five year old. <laughs> She's a lot of sensory input. Yes. <laughs> so it's hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sensory input with five year old. So that's a it's a pretty substantial routine. Yeah. Um, and it kind of the routine sort of holds you, right? I mean, this is the thing we say about practices, spiritual, social practices, like we build these practices, but then after a while, in hope, if they're healthy, they hold us in place. Yeah. Which is gorgeous. Um, getting there is a trick. Um, yeah. Can you talk about a little bit like you've had to build this over time? Some starts, some, you know, starts and stops, some trial and error. Like, how do you get to a place? Because it's not like for you, it's not like uh, just kind of tinkering around with this. These are like, we need to come up with something so that I don't spin off. Talk about like, can you talk a little bit about like sort of the delicate nature of developing a routine like that? How did that, how did that go? Like how long have you been working on that? Oh, we've been working on it together our whole marriage, like yeah. seven years. Yeah. And it's only been in the past couple months that we finally got something solid that worked. Yeah. And the biggest thing was, um, Defining and protecting my limits. Hmm. Defining and, and protecting your limits was the biggest thing. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have days where I can walk around a little bit. Yeah. And then I have days where I feel like I'm barely conscious. Yeah. Um, and it it varies. Um, so, so, yeah, we had to really just decide that regardless of what kind of day I'm having, I need to stay in bed until noon, mm. until all the chaos of the morning and afternoon has calmed down. Yeah. And, um, and as far as I have to make sure that my body is stretching, like I'm getting blood flow into everything. Yeah. So then finding, finding ways to take in information that was healthy and safe for me. Yeah. So sitting down and reading a chapter of the Bible by myself is not healthy for me. Yeah. Um, but listening to 
the hymns when I'm having a really bad day. Yeah. Um, reading just a, one line out of a prayer book, um, just getting things in smaller doses mm-hmm. was great. I used to be able to do like a whole 45 minute yoga session and learning, okay, that actually was exhausting me. So it was just a lot of trial and error yeah. of each activity and then trial and error of when each activity should happen. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's been <laughs> it's been a journey in and of itself just yes. trying to figure out all of that with my health ever changing. Yeah. Um can we go back in time to you're in Los Angeles, you're noticing things about your body changing, your capacity is changing. Like what's the process like for you in terms of like like recognizing what's going on and then to some degree I don't know if I want to I don't know if, I, if there's a better phrase for this. Like recognizing what's going on and then like coming to to I guess coming to terms with it, like making a decision because there's both things, right? It's like you you recognize what's happening, you come to like some for, you know at some at some point there's a diagnosis. But then after the diagnosis there's a process and then you come to some to some decisions about this is how I'm going to live. Can you talk a little bit about like that long, strange season of like, this is what's happening. I'm noticing it coming to know what this is and then coming to, to make some decisions about how you're going to live now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I became disabled when I was 25. Um, it was about two years before that, that I was like, Hey, something's not quite right. Mm -hmm. And Um, but then it happened really quickly. I was bartending at the time and I lost the use of both of my hands. They just became really painful and I couldn't, I couldn't hold anything. Um, and that was over the course of like weeks you recognized it was happening and then it never went away. Or was it pretty sudden? Um, I would say over a few months that it was just like, ah, starting to have pain, you know, the doctor said, oh, it's carpal tunnel syndrome. Okay. We put some braces on. Mm. Um, but then, um, I worked at a bar where we, we do a lot of, um, bottle tossing and things like that. And someone tossed me a, um, a beer and it just hit my hands the wrong way. And that was it. That was the last injury that my body could handle. Um, so then I was, uh, disabled with bilateral, um, arm pain, hand pain. It kind of went from my elbow all the way down. And from there, I think I was undiagnosed for like three years. I was disabled Hmm. and undiagnosed for three years. Wow. Until, yeah, until I had a a friend of mine who was a social worker and she was able to um, have me diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder with psychosomatization. Yeah. And that was my first diagnosis. Um, and with, with every diagnosis I've gotten, I've been able to trace it back all the way to childhood. Wow. So really the pain started very, very young. Yeah. Um, and it just slowly came on and I was able to get to 25 without really noticing because I didn't know any different. It's good. So it was always kind of there. And, and there was this, you know, struggles like being told I was hypochondriac, right. things like that. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, it was difficult to 
be told, hey, you're disabled. We don't know why. Yeah. Um, and I had become a Christian months prior. Right. So I was a brand new Christian and um, disabled. And it was, I don't know, that time was just kind of a whirlwind yeah. because I was so focused on what am I going to do? I lost my job. I lost my apartment. I couldn't use my hands and I was living out of my car. Um, so it was just so um, intense that time that I wasn't super thinking about how I'm going to live. It was just like, I need to like survive. find a place to live. Yeah. Yeah. Survive. Um, and I just, I bumped around in different places. I, I got back, I went back to college because with my dis- disability, I could, um, get, um, I could get help. Yeah. I could get financial help and, and all that. So I could live in the dorms, which at Cal state LA is more like apartments. Right. And, um, yeah. And so I was just, I was just there for a while and, and trying to continue in dance and acting, um, couldn't use my hands, but uh, aside from like this fatigue that slowly got worse and worse, like I could still do it. Um, it just cost more. It was harder and you were was kind of plugging harder. away at it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then one ankle went out and then I'd have a week of a two week migraine Wow. and things started to fall apart. Yeah. And, um, my roommate at the time, um, she, she was brought up Catholic and she, uh, when she got to college, she decided she um, was atheist. She didn't mm-hmm. believe in God. And I was a brand new Christian. And so every time I had my Bible open, she was wanting to chat with me mm-hmm. and just kind of debunk the Bible. And she was really great at debate and she knew so much. And again, I'm just working through the Gospels for the first time. So she won a lot of those arguments. Yeah. I would say, she won all of those arguments. There you go. Um, but, um, but, you know, we had them and I was, I was trying to learn and um, I just, I just, my faith didn't waver and the Lord gave me the gift of discernment hmm. and I just, she won every argument and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe her. Yeah. Even though I trusted her and I loved her, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that. Yeah. Um, and my health declined, declined, declined. And she was, she was observing it all and, um, taking me to the emergency room here and there. And one day I came back from class and she told me, she said, I, I was at my desk and I dropped my pencil behind the desk. So I went under the desk to get it, came back out, hit my head on the drawer. And I just sat there and I melted and, I was just whining. My life is so hard. And then she looked to my side of the room and she said, no, her life is so hard. Hmm. And then she, she said to me, watching you makes me believe that there is a God Whoa. must be a God. And I just, I don't even remember how it responded. It was such a shock and I yeah. didn't know what to think about that. And brand new believer, had a lack of fear and common sense, you know, lack of fear of the Lord and common sense and, but very willing. And that night I went to a prayer meeting and the spirit had me pray, 
Lord, if my being in pain means that people are going to see you, Hmm. then give me more pain. And that has just, that has been my perspective since then. That was at the beginning of my disability and the beginning of my faith. And that has, every time I have a bad flare up, every time my health declines, every time I get another diagnosis, um, the Lord reminds me of that, that yes, of that he's answer- and that season. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the perspective that I keep and yeah. how, regardless of what life looks like, that's how I'm living. Yeah. And so you, am- you communicate a lot publicly. I mean, you'll, you'll write, you'll share, you'll, I mean, you'll make sure you'll actually capture, you'll capture pictures of yourself in pain. Um, <laughs> and share the picture and share some of what's happening. Um, talk a little bit about um, kind of two, two elements of it. One is it's free. Uh, how should I say this? It's so easy for someone like me to say, Hey, you know, some good will come of this, right? Like that's like people will be like, Hey, there's some good will come of this. Whereas like when you're actually carrying that pain, um, that it, how should I say this? it's not that it's not true. It's just that it's really cheap to say. And so your experience of like actually making a decision to like you just like your the prayer you prayed uh, and the way you live your life online and otherwise there is like um there's some sort of a gradient from like the cheapness of like some good will come of this we'll make something good out of this versus like mm-hmm. the actual struggle the strife the sacrifice that comes with actually doing that. Yeah. Can you talk about your experience of like, you'll put things online and people will respond. Um, it's yeah. Is it, is that, is it satisfying? Does is it like, is that like meaning making for you? Um, yeah, just talk a little, however it works for you. Like how, what is that like now to share this pain as like a primary thing? Cause it's not like, Hey, I'm doing these other things and I had a headache the other day. Like your primary communication to people is like, I live in pain. It's a, it is a, like an actual, like fundamental relationship in my life. And it's, it's foundational and in some ways definitive of who I am. Talk about Mm -hmm. like, what's that? Yeah. Talk about your experience of sharing you in that way, in that posture, specifically online. Yeah. um, So for me, I'm sharing whenever I go into public, people see me. Yeah. And they're, they're seeing like, you know, you, you see someone in a wheelchair, it stands out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of noticed when I would share just in small groups or um, when I was counseling, um, just I could see that the Lord was using my story to encourage people, yeah. to make people feel seen hmm. and um, to embolden people. And when I got too sick to go to community group and to be counseling, um, that's when I really started writing online. And it has been so encouraging um, because there's so many people out there like me who cannot communicate. Right. When you're in pain, when you're experiencing trauma on a daily basis, it takes your ability to communicate well. Yeah. And so there's so many people out there 
like me who don't feel heard, who don't feel seen, who feel forgotten. And so when I write, they, they comment back and say, I feel like that. Or mm. one of the biggest comments I get um, with my poetry is you've put words to something that I didn't have words for. Yeah. And that, that to me is just a huge blessing because yeah. I know what it's like yeah. to feel unseen and unheard and forgotten. And I don't want anybody to feel that way. And if I can alleviate that in any way, yeah. um, then to me, that makes this writing important. Yeah. Well, it is. And it really, and it connects and draws in. I mean, I'm, I'm able-bodied. I don't live in, um, I, I don't live in chronic pain and, uh, what you do, I mean, it's part of why I reached out. I think what you do, it, it moves the needle for me, and not even just in terms of seeing. Um, this will probably be an overstatement, but not in just in terms of like seeing people who live with chronic pain, but because pain actually is a human constant. I mean, you live in a more extreme case than I do, but because pain is a human constant, to to hear your story, to recognize your story, and the way you communicate it actually moves the needle for me on the way I, I perceive and see people in general because pain yeah. is a human constant. And I was, I was more so than anything else, um, really moved. I am, uh, really moved by the, the, your, your continual decision to do something with that. Cause pain is the thing that when I'm in pain, I shut like my, my, um, my natural, inclination is to shut down like if I'm in pain then that's a day or a time when like I don't do something you know with that time whereas for you there isn't an option to do that because that will be this is the day the day is managing navigating and living in and with pain and so your decision to say this is my whole life mm -hmm. and pain is central to it uh and asking people to pay attention is a really redemptive like mm -hmm. fascinatingly redemptive um, mm -hmm. act. Uh, and mm -hmm. so I love what you're up to, a huge fan of what you're up to. And I wanted to make sure, wanted to put people in a position to, to see that. Um, the last thing I want to ask you about is, I mean, you're, you have a five-year-old and uh, how old is your oldest? Oh, she is the only. <laughs> oh, you have a five-year-old. Okay. How yeah. conscious, like how conscious of your journey story is your five-year-old like how aware like because it's it's one thing to do that out here instagram mm -hmm. etc and then like the communication in the house among the people who live with you is a little bit different like yeah how much do you share like how do you how do you mom from where you are like what's it look like for you to mom yeah yeah so she has always known me thick mm -hmm. Um, she's always known me, not quite this sick. I've gotten worse in the past few years. Um, but yeah, we've always talked to her about, um, you can't jump on Amma. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm weak or uh, Amma's sick. Um, and we, we just let her know, like whenever, whenever it comes up, like mm -hmm. if, um, she's screaming in the house, we have to say, Hey, you're that volume is hurting Amma. Like, if you want to scream like that, that's fine. Please go outside. Um, and my my biggest focus is to make sure that she understands that um, this is an illness that I have, and mm -hmm. it's not her 
fault. Um, and that, you know, I would love to pick her up, but unfortunately I'm unable just to making, making sure that she knows, like, it's not that I love her any less. It's not her fault, but, um, and just slowly letting her in to just the different symptoms of, you know, when I hurt, um, I had an amazing moment with her when she was two and a half where I was in pain and I was on the floor crying. And this was when I was um, still able to be alone with her for a few hours during the day. It was just me and her. And I was on the floor, I was crying and she, she started singing at, um, uh, what is the song? doesn't matter. She started singing a hymn to me mm. and I started to sing with her and she stopped and she tapped me. She said, no, Emma, you pray. Mm. I'll sing. Whoa. She kept, she's in two and a half. So I was good. blown away. Yeah. Um, just, she's just aware. Yeah. So it has allowed her to have empathy yeah. and to be aware um, of the people around her, that not everything is about her, which mm. at this age, that's the natural inclination. Um, yeah. So it's just created an awareness in her and had another moment where um, we were in a, a, a crowded room and I had a panic attack in the middle of the room and no one noticed, like my, my panic attacks are very internal mm. and, I just fight or flight happens and I'm able, I've had enough practice that I can channel it mm. to flight freeze and I couldn't get out of the room. Yeah. So I just froze there. Mm. And you know, when a, she was three and a half at the time, when a three-year-old wants their parent, they're yelling, they are screaming, they are yeah. grabbing at yeah. you. Um, but there I was looking at the floor, frozen in the middle of the room. And I hear her little voice, Emma, will you come play with me? Mm. And then she very gently grabbed my hand and led me out of the room into a room where it was just her and two other girls her age that were quietly praying. And it just struck me that in a room full of people, this little child was the one who noticed mm. and responded in an appropriate way. Um, mm. So we, we see her as the smallest of comforters. Um, and we try not to, we don't overload her with the details. We don't want to traumatize her. She can respond to it. And we talk her through and um, she comes in, she's doing online school right now. Mm -hmm. So she'll pop in and show me her projects and then she'll pop out. And my husband's always with her because we never quite know what the stimuli is going to do to me. Right. Um, so he may need to like gently um, take her out. Um, yeah, so we just try to be honest and careful yeah. um, with our communication. That's really good. Yeah, it feels a lot like what you end up doing uh, publicly as well is like stirring that kind of consciousness in people. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for your time and for offering uh, these uh, these minutes. And um, this is is a gift to me, and I know it'll be a gift to. Uh, the folks who get to listen in as well. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Justin. And thank you for listening to this episode of the At Sea Podcast. 
If you would like to follow along with Jennifer Coe's journey, you can find her at Instagram. It's jennifer.jihye.ko, jennifer.jihye.co. It's a beautiful journey. It is a tough journey. And she's an excellent guide in the journey of pain in the human experience. And if you would like to join in, share in, and support the journey we are on with this podcast, you can jump to patreon.com backslash Justin McRoberts and join this team. Great things are ahead and we would love to have you with us. Until next time.